from Relay FM. This is Inquisitive, episode number 22. Today's show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. For a 10-day free trial, visit lynda.com slash inquisitive. Squarespace, start here, go anywhere, and campaign monitor, helping you send beautiful emails and get better results. My name is Mike Hurley, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Mark Edwards. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm, I'm going well, going well. Thanks so much for being here today, sir. It's it's an honor to be on Real FM. I listen to a lot of the podcasts. You're too kind. You're far too kind. So, Mark, what do you like to be known for? I I like I, I knew you were going to ask this question. Um, I, I like helping people, so I like being known for helping people and making things that help people. That's it. How does that manifest in your uh, professional life? Like, what what tools would people uh, know that you make that that help people? We our biggest most popular app for the Mac is iStat Menus, and we're also working on something called Scala, which is a design tool to make to make apps, make software. So by day you are uh, the lead designer um, and director at Django, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is probably a, a title that's too fancy given how small the company is, but you know <laughs> you get to. You get to make your own business cards, don't you? Yeah, director at large. <laughs> you know, like how, how, how many words can I put on this business card? Yeah, vice chancellor of operations. <laughs> that was always a thing. Like, I think when me and Stephen were originally like setting out how we would do that stuff, we just decided to go with co-founder because like CEO and like CTO and that kind of thing was all like, ah, I can't do it. So we just Too went much. with co-founder. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, usually I just... Um, just the guy from Django. There's no, there's no title to it at all. Just that guy. You know the guy? Yes, yeah, that guy. Um, yep. So I want to talk about Django and, and, and a little bit about a little bit more about what you guys make and, and why you make it. But but first off, I'd like to kind of uh, understand a little bit more about you and your background. So what is your background with computers? How did computers find their way into your life? So it depends how far back you want to go, but I, I, I didn't enjoy high school at all. I really, I really struggled. I've, um, I've got something called ptosis, which, uh, is an eye thing. And so I, I had some learning difficulties and I ended up our year 12 is the final year of high school here. And I actually didn't end up going to, to year 12. And somehow I convinced my parents to, to, to buy me a computer to help, um, help studying. That was an Amiga. Which you know, as a lot of people know, is a kind of special computer in the the history of computing, which was very fortunate. So I ended up uh, playing games on the computer, which is what you do when your parents buy your computer to study. And I also ended up getting really interested in the the demo scene, and I ended up uh, writing code and making music and drawing graphics for demos and and making my own games. Um, I kind of I followed on the the music and the, the the graphic design, and I've never really I've never really been that great at co- writing code, but um, it's certainly something I'm interested in. So that was kind of where everything started. And then when I went to actually, um, I ended up studying graphic design for a year, just a short course instead of doing year twelve. And I got into advertising was kind of the most likely outcome of for someone who was interested in design. And so I ended up doing a whole lot of print design and then I was interested in using I used Photoshop when I was learning and studying and and I ended up really loving using Photoshop to do whatever image manipulation stuff so I ended up getting into photo retouching and once the advertising agency I was working for 
realized instead of hiring me out for whatever the rate was, the normal rate that they would charge my time out as, they could actually hire me out to clients as a photo retoucher. Um, that meant that's pretty much all I did because <laughs> they were making a lot more money and they, they didn't have to send that to a separate company. So that's that's kind of the, the main origin before I got in, back into software again. So it's it's been a weird... A weird path because it's sort of I've ended up now almost where I where I started, which was something that at the time when I was fifteen, fourteen, whatever, with with this Amiga, I really I didn't feel like that was something that was um, important to my life. But it was, in fact, it was something that was kind of usually seen as more of a distraction and uh, kind of I guess something that maybe I shouldn't have been spending time on by my parents. When did you? Uh... When did you first get introduced to the Mac or to Apple's products? That was that was when I started studying design because the classroom was all Macs. And we actually only used the Macs for, I think it was about two or three hours a week. So everything else had to be done by hand or there was a photography component as well. So you'd go into the dark room and, um, yeah, but it was, we were very restricted on how much time we had to spend on the Macs. And I, I remember, I mean, to <laughs> give you an idea of how old I am, um, we were using Photoshop 2 and Illustrator 3 at the time. And I remember telling my teacher that I wanted to make a CD cover in um in Photoshop. And I remember him freaking out saying, you can't do that. It's too big. The computer won't handle it. It's, you know, like 300 DPI at whatever size. This is just black and white too. I think he was saying the image would be like 6 meg. There's no way you can do that. And he was right. It was very, very slow and hard to hard to, to build. <laughs> which it's funny like, how were they being made like <laughs> if you couldn't make them on computers how was it done well that was because i wanted to do it all in photoshop so they were typically done all in like illustrator or something where it's vector where everything's a lot smaller but i wanted to do like all all retouched and yeah so it's and, and also to be honest the, the computers we had at the class maybe weren't as good as were available at the time <laughs> So when did, did after this point did the Mac become your computer of choice? Like, because I mean I remember like there there was a time you know when the Macs were used by artists and creatives like that was kind of kind of it really. Yeah, it's not now, is it? Like, I mean they they still are obviously, but there's Apple's far more mainstream and has a wider appeal, which is good. Obviously, it's good that they're they're successful. Um, yeah, it was pretty much from that day onwards. It was when I started studying and we started using Macs. That was it. I could see that I wanted to use Photoshop and Illustrator and, and a lot of other tools. And uh, they certainly weren't available on Amiga. I was using Deluxe Paint. I'm not sure if anyone remembers that. And also for music as well. The the Mac was um, with Pro Tools. I ended up buying a little Pro Tools rig. And the really, there, there was no other way to do it. I had an Atari ST for like two days because I bought one secondhand thinking that was the best computer for writing music on and kind of hated it and went back to the Amiga immediately and then ended up getting a Mac and I've, I've really I've, I've only ever used Macs since I've kind of I guess I've got a Surface Pro 3 but you know it's I've, I've really never owned a PC apart from the the Surface Pro that I'm playing with what is the why why a Surface Pro what what interests you about the Surface Pro because I went to Adobe Max and they gave them out for free <laughs> <laughs> perfect reason yeah, yeah, but, but so, so I've never bought a, P, a PC. But the thing is that it's actually quite an interesting computer. I'm, I'm, it's pretty cool to to have one and be able to play with it because it certainly has some some advantages that I I like. Because I, I guess it's got like the the stylus, right? Which is apparently like precise. I mean, have you 
used it for that for any kind of like design work or drawing or anything like that only only casually i'm really i haven't used it that much and it, it seems not not as good as a proper you know work on cintiq but it's pretty good so it's certainly it's, it's funny that the microsoft with the surface pro 3 is now a really good tool for for artists and designers and has some advantages over the mac in that respect which is a bizarre we're, we're living in bizarro world it doesn't seem doesn't seem normal to me it's all, it's all kind of just swapped around, isn't it? It has. Microsoft are the underdog now, <laughs> which is, anyway, it's, it's very weird. So what brought you back to the world of, of design, software design? So when I was working in ad agencies, this was when the, the web was kind of taking off and it, it seemed like an important thing. I think, you know, in, in hindsight, that was probably the, the right call to make. And I just decided I want to get better at, at web design and, and all this stuff that I, I'd been away from for a while. So um, I, we, with, a, with a friend, we made a whole bunch of OS X widgets. So this is when Dashboard was released with uh, Tiger 10.4 in 2005. It was a, it was a new thing. And it was a new, a new thing to be able to build software with HTML and CSS that runs not in the web on somewhere else. That was kind of a, a, a unique thing for, for Apple there. And so, yeah, we, we built a whole bunch of widgets for the Mac. And um, given that there was no there was no widget store like we have now for the App Store, there was no way to, to make any money. And we decided that these things were so small anyway that we'd just give them away for free. And we didn't really care. We didn't want to be running a, a real business. We didn't want to take people's money. We didn't want the responsibility of having to support them and all the other stuff that comes comes along with it. Even if you're charging 99 cents, I think there's a certain responsibility once once you start charging people. So we didn't want any of that. We just gave the widgets away for free. And through probably sheer dumb luck, but and also through, through a bit of hard work, we ended up having a, a few widgets that were successful. And we, I mean, uh, Apple's charts, widgets charts were a lot easier to top than the App Store charts, obviously. But we, we had a few widgets do really well and reach number one. And I think we ended up with um, oh, like five plus million downloads of, of iStat Pro. Saying the widget charts, I had like a huge like blast from the past moment. Like of yeah, like yeah. looking at the widget charts, like <laughs> totally, totally forgot that that existed. But obviously it did. Man, that I think the widget... It, it, well, it kind of was. I think the widget pages are still on Apple's site if you've got a direct link to get to the the widget directory. I'm not sure if you remember. Yeah, you probably I, do remember that, yeah. I stumbled across it recently for a reason that I cannot remember. Um, but I know that, that, that I found it. I think it's in the downloads area. Um, of, yep, apple.com slash downloads slash dashboard. And it looks, it looks terrible. Oh, it does. Man. And it's... Uh, and and it's the weird thing is there's no I don't think there's any search it's just a directory you just pick a category this is it's like seeing you know in Yahoo uh, catalog the entire internet so <laughs> <laughs> like that it's like that's just not possible now in the app store you couldn't just have a list of apps because obviously there's millions of them wow look at this this is incredible we've got like gun metal with holes in it at the top and the, look at this wow beautiful so. It used to be cool, man. I remember the days, confabulator. Oh, well. Um, so, obviously, you live in Australia. Um, I say obviously. I can tell it's obvious, uh, and I know it, but your accent maybe gives it away to some people in the world. Um, 
what are the advantages and disadvantages to running a software company from there? Because obviously, you know, the time difference is a big thing. I'm assuming that the majority of your customer base is is in the US, I'm just going to assume, um, or at least a large portion, and, and you're kind of on the other side of the world to that. Like, how does that manifest in a on a day-to-day basis for you? So, f- firstly, you're absolutely right. I am in Australia, and yes, most of our... Um, I, I don't have exact percentages, but I think most of it, like 40% is US. Um, there's a big portion in Europe, obviously, and Japan. We're completely normal when it comes to where, where our stuff sells. It's exactly like everyone else. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess the in terms of disadvantages and advantages, we're not in Silicon Valley. So the normal rules apply there. There's advantages in not being there because it means anyone we may want to work with isn't being trying to be hired by every single tech company and getting paid a fortune. So it means we, we do actually have the opportunity to work with some amazing people, which is great. And I, I realize that's that's an advantage. And we can also, we can release updates in our daytime, which is when the US is asleep. So that kind of means, um, because iStat Menus is not on the Mac App Store, uh, we can release an update. If there's an issue, we can actually patch it, release uh, you know another version and people in the US are asleep. They don't. They didn't know that we had <laughs> that issue. So when they get up, they get the right version, and we can make sure by the time we knock off for the day that whatever we've we've posted that day is is actually fine and stable. So you actually probably find that in the aggregate, it's a large benefit for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, being being away from, I'd, I'd say it's more just being away from Silicon Valley. There's there's a lot of people over there that are interesting and and. There's a lot of things that could probably happen if we're over there, but apart from that, yeah, it's it's generally it just just generally doesn't matter. I'm sure the same question could be posed to you. You know, what's what's it like running real AFM from from the UK? Doesn't probably matter that much. Yeah, it's it, that's the thing. Like, I can kind of do everything. There are things that would be easier because I record with people in the US. Sometimes it would be better if you know. Um, that I was recording at like sort of regular day hours as opposed to like evenings or whatever. But most of the time things are, there isn't really that much of a difference and there can, you know, and there can be actual benefits to the time zones and stuff like that. Now, Apple is getting better uh, worldwide releases of products, but do you, does Australia ever get left out of any, of anything? We are always in the first or second tier, which I'm very grateful for. So anytime you see a, an international release, if if it's something that was that's US only, then we're we're usually in the tier that that comes with the UK and Canada. So we're we're secondly we're, we're definitely second class citizens, but we're not like third or fourth. So it's it's yeah, it, we're usually very very good. We don't have to wait long at all. Um, obviously for Amazon and other things, Australia's not really. And Netflix, we don't have here, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff like that. So, so you maybe miss okay. out on the entertainmenty type stuff, but not on product releases, which maybe means we get more work done. I don't know. Just putting <laughs> that out there. <laughs> so, I assume though that this actually works when there is a worldwide release, a simultaneous worldwide release. You guys are first, right? Yeah, well, I guess the New Zealand usually beats us, but yes, when the, the when there's an app store release where the, the developer has set it to be on a certain day um, and a rolling release, then yes, we, we get we get it a few hours before. Well, we get it quite a few hours before. Or you could, be, uh, you could be first in line for the iPhones and stuff like that when everybody's still in bed. Yeah, true. Yes, yeah, that is, that is yep, that's right. It's not, it's not all bad then. 
No, it's not all bad. Actually, I do have a. There is one really, really huge negative that Australia has, and that's we have um pretty terrible infrastructure. Now, not as terrible as as other countries, but but certainly when it comes to comparing with the the US and the UK and and a lot of other European countries and Asian countries as well, um, our internet is is really pretty terrible, and the governments have been trying to fix that here, and it's been a bit of a mess. So. Is that because um, of land mass and kind of being an island and that kind of thing? It's probably due to, yeah, to size and, and population density, but it's also, you know, the usual story of telephone carriers owning networks and then it being privatised, you know, government-owned and privatised. And, yeah, there's basically we've got 30-year-old copper and that's what most of the internet runs on in Australia. I'm going to take our first break now and talk about our first sponsor for this week's episode, but then I want to kind of get into talking to you a bit more about uh, the the stuff that Django makes and why you make it and that kind of thing. So this week's episode is brought to you by our friends over at lynda.com. We are now in a new year, so it's time to kickstart your new year. Challenge yourself to learn something new, and you can do this with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business. You've been hearing me and Mark talk about some of the tools that he used, and maybe you want to, you're listening to this or you listen to the episode and you think, I maybe want to look at some design stuff. Or maybe you want to learn a bit about Photoshop. Maybe you want to learn a bit about Illustrator. They have courses at lynda.com that are taught by people at Adobe, like the people that actually work on developing and making these products. They have these courses and they're made by these people, which is just fantastic. It's like you couldn't ask for any better. And so this kind of highlights the fact that all of lynda.com's courses are taught by experts. They have new courses being added to the site every single week. Whether you want to learn a new hobby or improve some skills that you already have or learn some new professional skills to maybe find a a new job or something, lynda.com has something for you. Once you sign up to lynda.com, you'll get access to every single course that they have, including all of the new courses that are being added every single week. And you'll get access to view these tutorials on your tablet and mobile devices with their apps for iOS and Android, as well as, of course, by looking on, watching them on the web uh, on your desktop machine. As well as the design courses that I mentioned, um, maybe you want to learn uh, some more kind of fundamentally type design stuff. They have um, the trilogy of documentaries by Gary Hustwit, Helvetica, Objectified and Urbanized. Helvetica is a great documentary um, about the typeface, Helvetica. Uh, or maybe you want to learn a little bit more about how to draw. Maybe you have an artistic flair that you need to let out. You can do that. You can learn some stuff like the fundamentals of uh, drawing, like how to use light and shadow. And you can they can uh, they have some great daily activities stuff as well so you can take a different course every day they have courses and everything design development uh, business loads of training stuff management courses everything the best thing to do is to go and look for this for yourself go sign up for a free 10-day trial right now to lynda.com by visiting lynda.com slash inquisitive go ahead i challenge you to learn something new in 2015 thanks so much to lynda.com that's l-y-n-d-a.com for supporting this show and all of relay fm so, Mark, where does the name Django come from? We definitely wanted a .com, and I think that probably doesn't matter as much these days, but when we started, we thought .com was, was important, and we came up with a list of, like, 100 names. We even bought some of the domains, and that was that was kind of the last man standing. So that was the our favorite one that we actually could get, and that's kind of that's kind of it, really. I mean, there's no... We just we wanted something that sounded fun and unique, 
and yeah, we wanted a dot com, and preferably not so many letters. We didn't want to have something that was too long. So it's it is kind of unique. Then it doesn't really hold like a. I don't. I was thinking it might have been like a, a small town that you grew up in or something like that. But it's it's purely like a this worked as a name. Yep. I love yep. that. This, I, yeah. <laughs> it's like looking for meaning in it. You know, there's no meaning in it. There's a dot com available, which is sometimes like that's like more than half the battle. Yeah, we we had we also had some other terrible names. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I'm really happy with it now, and I'm glad we haven't. I'm really glad we have the dot com. But at the time, we really weren't sure at all whether that was the best choice. Like I said, we we spent money, we bought other domains. This is this is before we, you know, made a made a cent from it as well. So we're we're like, yeah, you just some sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith. I mean, and eventually, like the, the funny thing with naming is then it just becomes the name. So it's kind of after a while, like the name isn't even important because the name is just the name. Yeah, and that that actually is something we definitely wanted. We wanted a, an empty vessel that you could then fill with meaning with our work. So yeah, that we we're happy that we, that it was something that kind of doesn't really mean anything, and it can become our thing, which is which is good. What sort of apps does Django set set out to make? Like, what what what, do you, what would you say is your focus? Like, what is the type of stuff that you make? What is the type of stuff that you want to be known for making? So we've made we've made almost anything you could imagine, and including a whole bunch of stuff that we've we haven't released. And we also made some games, starting from really like a, a um, card matching game for kids, through to a car racing game that took a lot longer and was was a lot harder to make. And we've kind of learned that that's not something we should be doing. Um, I really I enjoy games, and I enjoy making games too. But it's um, something that I think you need to be have certain skills we possibly don't possess to, to make them successful. So we've usually found that tools that help people get things done are, are good for us. I think we, we understand that pretty well. So how different is it to, to build like um, a productivity tool or a design tool than it is to build a video game? Like, does it take more people? Does it take like whole different types of thinking and different types of design and coding knowledge to do something, to do these kind of differing products? I think that the main difference is, so, so obviously there's the small games and the small productivity tools and there's big games and there's big productivity tools. And, you know, some of the AAA games have, I don't know what, 200 people working on them for five years. So that's kind of as big as you get. So it's not really it's not really about size. It's more about with with applications you can you can release something and then keep on working on it and keep on iterating. And I think that's something that's something where we're quite good at and we understand. Whereas games, you've kind of got day one, and it has to be has to be really good and it has to be enjoyable, and that is the experience. And a lot of people will will play a game and then stop playing a game because they've finished it or they've got whatever out of it they wanted to get out of it and that's it whereas i think we're better at we're better at slowly growing and 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 improving over time so so that's why i think games have been quite hard for us because we possibly didn't nail them day one or they just weren't they didn't have that that interesting x factor to them whereas i think with with tools it can be more a process you go through to try and work out if something is 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 good for that use so I think that's, I mean, it's probably just more experience. I think if we, if we stuck out games, we could probably be quite good at it, but it's certainly with the way the app store is going, it's, I'd say the games are a bigger roll of the dice. They, they obviously make more money, but I think they're more of a risk as well. So I'd, I'd rather, 
given our business, I'd rather take on a niche that we, we can really nail and we can be either the only app that does it or one of a very, very small amount and we can improve over time and make sure we, we are the best rather than actually trying to, you know, try and hit a top chart position and, and make a fortune. I'd rather just have something that's far more low key, but, but stable. So I think for you guys, um, you know, especially considering kind of where the product came from, like iStat menus is your key, right? That is kind of like the crown jewel of Django. Yeah, yeah. And I think iStat and the various, I mean, I don't know how many of them, there have been a lot of different iStat related things. Sure. There's, yeah, definitely that, that's, that's the, the core of our business. That may, that may change this year. We'll, we'll see how we go. But I, obviously Scala is quite a big product. And we've been working on that a very, very long time. We still have a lot to go, but that has the potential to do quite well, I think. I want to talk to you about Scala then in a moment, because I, that is something that I actually don't know an awful lot about. Um, like I, I know that you are developing something called Scala, but I wasn't sure too much of what it was. But but I'll, I'll talk to you about it in a moment. Um so obviously, you know, the iStat family, as it's been maybe over years, starting from widgets to you have apps, right? There's, there's, and you've had, um, they're like the dashboard widgets, oh, sorry, and like notification center widgets and the menu bar, you know, apps and, and, and suite of, of products. Does, does having something that is this, this kind of popular, that kind of is the, the core maybe of the business, does that allow you to then, be more experimental with with other products like creating games is does having that one product then allow you to do some other stuff yeah it does and we've we've also experimented with iStat you you mentioned the dashboard and and actually a mac app we had a mac app at one point and we we've had an app an iStat app on the the mac app store which was um yeah it was called mystat and there's a whole lot of reasoning and strategy behind that. But anyway, and also we've had the menu bar that's been the most popular and notification center widget now as well. And we've, we've tried to make sure, obviously, as OS X um, progresses and, and certain certain technologies come in flavor and, and go out of favor, like Dashboard, we have to make sure we, we move with that because obviously we'll, we'll be left behind if we don't. So we've, we've tried to make sure we we attempt lots of different things and, and experiment to make sure we don't get left behind. So do you, do you also do this to kind of like, because you could kind of maybe to an element you could rest on your laurels, right? But I guess you do, you keep developing so you don't become stagnant? Yeah, so being an indie developer, our, our business is pretty much launch spikes that are followed by um, ever-declining revenue. So every single day, except launch day is pretty much we're earning less than the last. <laughs> so, course, um, yeah. we, yeah, so we, we can't in, in terms of resting, I mean, it's, it's a good question. We, we, we can't really at all. And there, there's certainly lots of competition there as well. So even though iStat menus is popular within that small niche, um, yeah, we certainly have to have to keep going. We've, we've tried lots of different things and we've, we've certainly had other apps that have been successful and, and we still do. So it's, yeah, but most of most of our revenue comes from iStat menus. What is the target market for iStat? Like, who do you expect to to be your customer? That's an interesting question. Mostly, a lot of developers use it, but 
also a lot of um, video professionals when they're rendering video and um, a lot of audio professionals as well. And it's, it's kind of weird. Like we've ended up making a tool that is kind of for creative professionals and also people who are maybe, you know, interested in seeing what their Mac's up to. So people who are kind of, I guess, a geeky kind of skew, which is, which is awesome. And I mean, it's, it's a really, it's, it's a very, very wide use. So I, I don't think there is any one typical iStep menus customer. If anything, it's probably more developers I see using it, but that's probably just because I hang around with developers. So, and it is kind of handy having that stuff running all the time when you're, when you are building software, because you can get a feel for um, how well things are performing, even without necessarily running instruments or some other tool to debug. Obviously, after working on a product for so long and a, and a product that is at its heart a nerdy product, right? You know, looking at, at what your computer is doing is is a is a nerdy pursuit, um, even though it can be used in a bunch of different ways. How do you avoid like too much information, like just information overload? I don't think we have avoided that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, I, I step menus does a lot, and that's that's kind of it's probably it's one of the apps with the most checkboxes, I'd say you know, in the, the history of computing, but that's, that's okay. We've, I've kind of learned to, I mean, it's, it's interesting as a design problem because usually most designers try and simplify to the point where there is as little interaction as possible and it just magically does what you want. And it's, you know, looks, looks amazing, looks stunning in screenshots and I step menus. I've always fought that with I step menus because we, we actually, it is just a toolbox full of stuff. And it is it is very random in what's what's in there. It's there, there there really isn't that many similarities that you can pull out, so you can have consistent UI and 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 even just just neat UI because the options are really a lot of that's led by what people what people want to see and what people ask us for, as well as what we think they might want. So it's just it's it's a real mixed bag, and I I think it looks probably as as good as we can get it, but it does a lot. So I want to I wanna talk to you about Scala now. Um, but before I do that, let me just take a moment to thank Campaign Monitor for helping support this week's episode of Inquisitive. Campaign Monitor make it easy to design, create, send, and optimize your email campaigns quickly and easily. They do this with Canvas, which is their easy-to-build uh, email builder, their template building tool to that allows you to create beautiful email newsletters that look fantastic on all devices. They have responsive design built right into every Canvas built email. You can create something that looks fantastic in minutes and get it sent out to your email subscribers in even less time. It's just super easy to use. You can choose all the colors and fonts and stuff that you want to make it match your company brand or you just to look exactly the way that you've always dreamed of your emails looking. Campaign Monitor are a great supporter of this show. They're a great supporter of many shows. So you should go and check them out. Go to campaignmonitor.com right now, sign up for a free account, and you'll be helping support this show and a company that helps support creative arts. Uh, we love Campaign Monitor for that. If you want to just check out what Canvas can do, you can also go to campaignmonitor.com slash templates. Thank you so much to Campaign Monitor for supporting this show and Relay FM. So Obviously, there are already, well, you have already made some Scala-based products. So there's like Scala View is one, right? Uh, Scala Preview, sorry, and Scala Color. 
which I guess maybe will form part of the bigger project. Like, tell me, tell me about Scala. What, what what can people expect to see here? So that that was definitely the the intention. We'd break off some parts that could be separate modules and release them as as small apps, and that lets us build part of Scala that that may need. Uh, it, it's it's good to have it really battle tested if a lot of people have been using it. And it also helps with awareness because we, we don't spend really much on advertising at all. We almost don't advertise. And so releasing a free product for us is kind of like advertising. If people know about it, then that's that's a great thing. And yeah, it also let us build and test the, these small parts and then we can integrate them into the bigger app later. And certainly Scala Preview is something that, that um, needs a lot of testing because it, it uses Wi-Fi. For people who don't know Scala Preview, it uses... Um, Wi-Fi to send a, a design from Photoshop or, or send images to uh, an iOS or Android device. So while you design, you can see a live preview. And I thought that was something that we'd, we'd want in Scala. So we, we built Scala Preview, but because it deals with Wi-Fi networking, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's really quite difficult to get right. So I'm glad we've had however long it's been, <laughs> um, where that's been out, out in the market and, and tested so we can try and get that really good before we integrate it into Scala. Yeah, that feels like the kind of thing that you would need a huge testing pool for. Yeah, yeah. So, so obviously, releasing it for free is the best way to get that. We just get lots of lots of people using it, and it's it's been pretty good. There's some stuff we need to fix. We've got a new version we've finished that we've just well, we're almost finished, and we'll, we'll submit soon. But it's um, that's been interesting. <laughs> it's been been quite difficult to get it get that right. So, what is uh, Scala? proper going to be it's so i've i'll give you a little bit of history on why 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 it exists and why i want to wanted to make it we um design for for software has become quite difficult over the last um i guess it's really since two it's not 2007 probably 2010 when the iphone 4 was released and retina displays were released that was that was the point where i had to change my workflow quite drastically and a lot of the a lot of the things I was doing previously wouldn't work, and I've tried really hard to to make sure I have a an efficient workflow that means you get all the technical stuff right, but you don't really have to worry about it that much. And it got to the point where I thought I'd done everything I possibly could. I had some some very kind friends write some scripts for me for Photoshop that that automate a whole bunch of stuff, and it got to the point where I realised that. There was a real need for for better tools, and the tools we had, even if you augment them with all this actions and scripts and other stuff, really didn't quite do what I wanted. And I thought there was an opportunity there to make something far better and fix a whole bunch of other problems as well in the meantime. And so we we probably probably stupidly in hindsight decided to try and build our own tool, and. That's that's where we're at now with Scala. So Scala is it's it's for software specifically designed for for building software, and it's a design tool that has abilities that handle pixel density easily and and all the kinds of stuff, all the kinds of issues you'd normally come up against when building websites or apps or design icons are the the kind of problems Scala solves. So how long have you been working on the project for? I, I don't have an exact date, but it's been certainly years. So the thing we've spent the most time on ever, we've we've never, we've we've never spent this long on anything at all. 
forever, Mike. That's how long I've been working on it. <laughs> that's that's what it feels like. I mean, we're, we're we're an interesting point. We're kind of we're really we're we're knee deep in development. We've we've had sort of 1.0 feature lockdown for a very long time. So we've known it's been a really linear process. Again, you know, you know, you, you often hear about software being very experimental and building minimum viable product and and iterating really rapidly and what's the the facebook saying the um uh like i can't remember it now where it's um uh move fast and break things we we're taking the exact opposite approach with scala which might be might be a terrible move but it, i i knew what i wanted straight away um when we when we had the first meeting to to kind of work out if, if that was something we were going to build and a friend of mine is is the main developer on it so um someone new not the not the normal bajango team and so when i presented him the idea i was like hey do you want to do you want to work with me on um on a design tool i actually had a mock-up of the ui and it was a really rough wireframe but it was pretty much exactly the same ui that we have today so not not that much has changed in concept obviously a lot of the details have been worked out and there's a lot of there's a lot of areas of exploration but it was generally this is exactly what we're doing and we we know what we want and we just have to build it but it's unfortunately to do what we're after we we need to build our own rendering engine and to do that it's it's pure open gl and c plus plus and it's as low level as you can get because for the kind of the quality and performance we're after there's sort of nothing nothing available that you can you can build on top of so quite quite often a lot of applications for iOS or Mac or Windows or whatever, or even the, even the web, there's lots of frameworks you can use. And a lot of those frameworks give you amazing abilities that you can bolt your small thing on top of and, and you know, stand on the shoulder of giants is the, the usual phrase for that. And that's really, really awesome if you're building things that fit within the, the confines of the, the given frameworks. But we, unfortunately, we don't. It's, it's just not, we, we, you know, we looked at the requirements we had and we just, that meant everything had to be custom unfortunately but we get lots of lots of benefits from that too how far out do you think the project is like for for as much as you are willing to say like you thinking 2015 i honestly if if i'm being brutally honest i thought we might have had it out in 2013 okay yeah wow so it's big then big big project yeah, I don't think I don't think people quite. Usually, we're, we're obviously we've announced Scala and we've mentioned a few details. I don't think people understand quite how big, and they won't obviously until we we show them what the final product is. I, I definitely am thinking twenty fifteen. Please be twenty fifteen. <laughs> we 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 really have done a lot, and we've we've got it's to the point now where we can actually you know we could we can make lists of things that we need to do, whereas previously it was pretty open ended. And there's some of the the stuff that was really tricky to work out has been worked out. So we're, we're in good shape. It's just, there's, we're not done yet. So how, how big of a market is there for, for a product like this? I, I don't know. I mean, we, we, we obviously have Scala preview and we can look at the, the downloads, obviously, they're f- it's free, so it's a different story. Um, I I don't know, but the, th- the thing is, our, th- our threshold for success is quite low because it's just a tiny team building building this thing. So we don't need it to make 
whatever a year it it's it can be we'd be happy with probably thousands of sales a year which right. you know for, for software is is actually quite is quite low yeah and i guess from there it's like working out what the what, how the price point sits and and kind of how that works out right yeah, 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 and we've we've worked all that out. We've got targets, and we know we know what would be comfortable for us, and we know you know it's it's really I. One thing that's been really interesting is we normally ha- don't announce products early, and the reason we don't do that is because when we have, we've been burnt, and I guess the situation's no different with Scala because we kind of have been burnt because I I did talk about it too early, but the good thing is there's been a lot of interest, and we've had some pretty fun conversations with people who I thought wouldn't want to talk to us. Some, some companies that, you know, quite big tech companies, I'm not going to name names, but it seems like maybe people will use Scala. I don't know. Well, so I think we'll, I think, I think it will be quite easy for us to reach our, our threshold of, Hey, this, this has been worthwhile. Let's hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the good thing is we've, it's, you talked about, you asked me about games and versus apps. The, the good thing about Scala is there is really, there's an infinite amount of things that can be added or fixed to it. So it's something that if, if it, if version one does well, there probably will be a version 10. It's, that's it's a very just, good point. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. So I think, I think I'm, I actually tend to like products that have a pretty open-ended uh, unquenchable thirst for features. So you are a, a developer on the Apple platform, right? So that's kind of kind of primarily where where you are. I mean, obviously you have you know, the Android app, um, Scala Preview now, but primarily you you are Apple based. Um, so switching gears a little bit, in in twenty fifteen, uh, how do you feel about developing for Apple right now? It's it's a pretty interesting place to be obviously there's, there's some there's some spiky points that we've um there's been lots of rejections and there's been app store rules that seem inconsistent and there's been a lot of other fun things that we need to negotiate but obviously the mobile market is also huge and uh, smartphones have been incredibly successful so it's it, it's kind of a weird mixture of it's it's never been it's never been better to be building software ever in the history of the world but at the same time, there's you are walking through a, a minefield. There's there's a whole bunch of nasty stuff that can happen if you're not careful. As a as a user as well as a developer, how do you feel about software quality right now coming from Cupertino? I think this, obviously there's been an interesting discussion on this as well. I, I think if I look at my phone, I actually don't use. I don't use that many. I, I use a lot of third-party apps. I, I use Fantastical as my calendar. Um, I use Slack. I use uh, I use Tweetbot. I use a whole bunch of stuff. So I, I found iOS eight actually fine, totally totally fine because it's mostly the third-party apps that I'm using anyway. So I, I realized that some of the issues surrounding Apple's apps may not be necessarily about the OS or the frameworks. It might be actually the the applications on top. Um, OS 10's been pretty good too. Like I don't, I don't mind Yosemite. There's a few things that I've, I'm not that happy with, but um, 
I guess the question might be more, would I rely on something like iWork? And there's been, I'd, I'd probably be more worried about things like uh, document format compatibility and, and other stuff like that if I was relying heavily on it. Um, I actually do use numbers a lot and I use Keynote a little bit, but I haven't been, I haven't been caught out too much, but I certainly understand why there is a lot of negative feedback right now. You mentioned like the app store rejections and stuff and how they've been um, just ever confusing. You know, they they always have been difficult, but I mean, we're in a, we're in an interesting point right now. Um, how do you kind of approach those, those types of things? I mean, you're kind of on the periphery of it to an extent, right? With your, your main product, um, you sell directly, right? Yeah. So we've been, we've been right in the middle of it a lot over since 2008 was actually the first time we got an app on the app store because of the Australian store. We couldn't, oh no, it was 2000, sorry, early 2009 because we couldn't actually get sign up. We've actually had many rejections since then and we've had products that have been released and had phone calls from Apple saying, you will remove this feature. Hmm. And, and, and I've responded with, sure, okay, give us two weeks. And we've been told that we don't have two weeks. This was a while ago. So we're, we're, the stuff that's happening now has certainly happened in the past and it's happened to us in the past as well. So we've been pretty cautious. So in terms of the way we've reacted, we've, um, I, think, I think we've done exactly what everyone has, has feared and we've just probably innovated a whole bunch less and we've just not wanted to take risks because if you, you, know, if you don't fall within the neat confines of sandboxing and, and what Apple perceives to be something they want to feature, then that's not always a good place to be. So, I mean, even, even Scala Preview has been rejected. We've, honestly, we've probably, you name one of our apps on, on an app store, on iOS or Mac App Store, and it's been rejected. I want to talk a little bit about the Mac App Store, um, but, but just let me take a moment to thank our final sponsor for this week's episode. It's our friends over at Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and use the offer code QUESTION at checkout. When it comes to building a website online, whether you want to build a blog or maybe you want to build a portfolio or a business site or maybe you want to sell some products on the internet, there is nowhere better than Squarespace. They make sure that they keep all of the stuff that you want to deal with in front of you in beautiful presentation, and they keep all the things you don't want to deal with out of the way. So we're looking at Squarespace's fantastic, beautiful designs. Their templates are incredible. They're always adding new ones. With Squarespace 7, their most recent release, they added 15 new templates. They all feature responsive web design built right in. They have a drag-and-drop page building system where you can just create how you want your pages to look by quite literally drag and drop around in the web browser. You can select from the fonts and the colors that you want to use. You have sliders and everything is updated in real time, all within the same view. So you'll have like all of your controls on the left and you'll see everything updating live to your site on the right. And then when you're ready to, to send them out to the rest of the world, so you're seeing them as like as a live preview, you just press save and publish and they go out to the world. It's super simple to 
first to set up your site and then if you want to redesign it like it just sit down spend a little bit of time with it and you'll be good to go they've partnered with getty images recently as well they provide a great deal on awesome photography now stock images for your site at just ten dollars an image which is an incredible deal squarespace have applied everything that they've learned from powering millions of sites around the web to continue to make their platform even better with Squarespace 7. But all of this new stuff, all the cool stuff that they've added, still sits on top of the core awesomeness of Squarespace, like their 24-7 live chat and email support. Uh, They have teams located in New York, Dublin, um, and London who are there to help you all throughout the day and night. They have this great commerce platform which allows you to add a store to your site. They have their rock-solid and fast hosting and so much more. If you're thinking about uh, putting a site online or if you're frustrated with the current way that your website operates or the way that you have to try and develop or design it, then you should be going and checking out Squarespace. You can sign up for a free trial right now and start building your website today by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code QUESTION. This is going to get you 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Relay FM. Thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting this show. Squarespace, start here, go anywhere. So how do you view the the Mac App Store with your current product base? Like what goes in, what doesn't go in, like, and how do you kind of make that kind of decision? So iStep menus can't be on the Mac App Store. There's a whole bunch of reasons why. And it through it, it definitely breaks Apple's guidelines. So there's there's no question about it at all. We wouldn't even try and Apple would be right to reject it because we, we don't we don't fit in their guidelines. Um, generally, other stuff we, we try and put on the Mac App Store. I mean, I, I see it as a positive thing. And I, I, I guess now's a good time to, to mention that I don't necessarily think the rejections are due to Apple's incompetence or malice. I think a lot of this is Apple's competitors... Uh, are obviously Google, Microsoft, Amazon, whoever else. And Apple are playing a very high-level game of chess. And it just so happens that part of their strategy means they have to make these decisions. And I think the developers are the... <laughs> we, we end up being collateral damage to, to their strategy. And I, I don't necessarily think that's... It's just something we have to, we have to live with. And I... I Complaining can be good, and hopefully there's ways to to get some positive change from Apple and filing radars, whatever, or complaining on Twitter, um, or or running to the press. However, however positive change comes is is a good thing, and, and there's certainly a lot of apps um, like drafts and um, I can't remember some of the other high profile rejections that have been um, like PCALC that have been really really good good apps that are should be something that should be promoted on the platform that obviously have been rejected. I think a lot of this is just really due to to Apple playing a game where they they need to make sure they've they've got competitive advantages over Android and that's just the path they have to take and the unfortunate thing is that, that some of these decisions impact the developers and users of those platforms. What's been your experience uh of being in the in the uh Google Play Store and how has that differed uh good and or bad? Um, to being on the App Store. I, I guess from our point of view, the the whole malware or dodgy app angle doesn't really matter. Most of most a lot of the people who are downloading our apps know us or have a vague idea who we are, and they they probably trust us a, a little bit. And the apps we're trying to make are obviously 
high quality without anything dodgy in them. No, nothing scammy, no malware, no, you know, treating all, the, all of your data with respect. So generally that side of things doesn't really concern us or, or our customers. It's more, um, there's, there's obviously other benefits. The Play Store, it's great to be able to release something instantly. Uh, but I'd say what's even better than that, being off the Mac App Store, iStat Menus has let us do some really, really interesting things that have made launches a lot easier and made it a lot easier for a, a small team to handle such a, a big product, big and complex product with, with such a long history. It's, it's been almost 10 years since we, wow. since we made iStat Pro. So the, I, I doubt, I don't know how much, if there's any code that's that survived that entire time, but it's certainly, um, the, the, the history, the lineage there is, is actually quite long. So, um, yeah, just in terms of releases, let's let us do stage releases, timed releases. So we can, as, as I mentioned, while the US is asleep, we can actually release during our day. If there's a showstopper bug that we, we just didn't, didn't find because it's unfortunately I stay menus is very, very particular about the, the models it runs on and the certain, um, because we're using sensor and fan data and, and other, other data that's, that's specific to Mac models. It actually, it, it does need to be run on, on a lot of different models to, to be able to be tested. And we can only do part of that with, with the resources we have, but we can release very, very minor incremental updates and lots of them. And, and yeah, if there's bugs, we can, we can either fix them immediately and upload a new binary and, let everyone else get that and um, and we can do stage releases so we we just change the download button on, on our website and then we leave it a few hours and if everything's fine then we we actually might tweet about it and then if everything's fine again we might push the automatic update to everyone and again this will be while the us is asleep so people won't have their Macs on so they won't be getting the the update anyway so we can roll out gradually over 24 plus hours if we have to and and also fix bugs within that time. Hmm. So it's been, it's been pretty awesome. I, obviously there's other advantages to being on the Mac app store and there's other advantages to being on you know, Google play and the iOS app store in terms of um, being featured and being available as a result in search. And we miss all of that, but I think the other advantages have been worthwhile. It seems like your advantage, the, the, the things that iStack can take advantage from not being in there are very specific to you, but are very important as well to, to the way that your business operates. Yeah, yeah. And we've, we're, all of our payments have been via Fastspring since the start, since we started charging for iStack menus. And Fastspring has a, a pretty good admin panel and there's amazing things we can do, like giving people refunds if they want one. Uh, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 weird we've, we've got a, a canned response that we give to people if they ask for a refund um from the ios or mac app store and obviously all we can say is this is handled by apple and we even link people to a to an imore article saying here's how you do it and we're as helpful as we possibly can be but sometimes that's if someone does want a refund and they're you know they're obviously the software didn't do what they wanted or what for whatever reason um we're happy to give a refund but you know, it's it's much nicer to be able to do that ourselves rather than just say, sorry, we can't do anything. And often that's met with um, a bit of frustration from the, the customer side, which is understandable. So you are also, uh, one of the other things that you do is uh, you are a podcast host yourself. Yes, I am. It's good fun. 
So you are one of uh, a trio of hosts uh, of the Iterate podcast at Mobile Nations. Yeah, so I'm, I'm uh, one third of the Iterate team with Renee Ritchie and Seth Clifford. And we, we've, it's been great. We've, we've been able to interview a whole bunch of really interesting designers and focusing specifically on, on mobile design. And when we started, the, the reason, only reason we started the podcast was we, we couldn't think of any other podcast that was covering mobile design. So it seemed like the right thing to do. What do you enjoy about recording Iterate? Like, what's your favorite thing about, about the show? We get to talk to really interesting people. That's, that's pretty much it. And, and obviously, Renee and Seth are interesting them on their own. Um, I don't know about that Renee, Seth guy. I'm not sure uh, what I think about him. He's terrible. He's terrible. <laughs> and Renee probably is one of the, the only people who records more podcasts than you. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I, or I maybe think not these days. Him, no, not these but, days. I think I hear that a lot, but I think I've got that Rene beat. He's actually going to be on the show in a couple of weeks, so I'll, we'll, maybe we'll have a, a podcast schedule throwdown on the episode or something. Try and find out should, once and for all. You should definitely do that. <laughs> you should definitely do that. Yeah, and, and we've, we've, the, the great thing is we've been able to just invite a whole bunch of people on the show and people that I normally... If I'm being honest, they probably wouldn't normally talk to me if there wasn't a podcast. So that's that's been awesome. And we get to up, speak to them and ask them questions and find out some interesting things about, about their, their history and current projects, which so, is exactly what this show is about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But well, you guys uh, definitely go more in detail than, than I ever could. Um, on on the design stuff because it's a, it, it, iterate is a great show um, and it is even accessible to people like me who do not have necessarily a design background but with uh, you and Seth both both being in the design development world you can kind of talk to your guests on a on a really interesting level and understand the motivations behind their products I enjoy the show a lot um, and people should listen to it. And there will be a link to it in the show notes, which are at relay.fm slash inquisitive slash 22. Um, so the last thing that I wanted to ask, um, obviously, you know, it's kind of, I would say, like, what's next? But clearly Scala is is next for you, like, as, as a project. Um, but is there anything else you're working on? Are you dabbling in the iWatch, uh, the Apple Watch? Still keep getting it wrong. The Apple Watch at all? Yeah, you're not the only one to keep getting it wrong. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got a whole bunch of other stuff we're working on. I, I've I'm even doing a tiny bit of consulting right now, which sounds insane, and it probably is. But generally, it's it's all iStep menus and Scala and and the other Django stuff that we've we've certainly got enough on our plate to to keep us busy with just maintenance. So that that's actually meant we haven't had much time to to consider Apple Watch and other platforms or doing more Android stuff or whatever. It's it's really we're just focusing on the current stuff we're working on. Definitely going to buy an Apple Watch when it ships, and I'd say there's some some interesting stuff we can probably do, but probably things relating to to products we already have rather than brand new things. So, uh, where can people find all of the stuff, Mark, that that you're up to and that Bajango's up to? Where where's a good place to go for all that? So I'm Mark Edwards on Twitter. That's Mark with a C and Bajango.com for all of our apps and Bajango on Twitter as well. And and as I mentioned just a moment ago, uh, relay.fm slash inquisitive slash 22 is where you'll find links to all of that sort of stuff um, if, you would, if you would like to peruse it. I want to thank our sponsors again for this week's episode, uh, Linda, Campaign Monitor and Squarespace. Thank you for helping make this show a possibility. Um, if you 
would like to follow me on Twitter. I'm at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and you can do that there. Um, But until then, we'll be back next time. Thanks again to Mark for joining me, and thanks to all of you for listening. Until then, bye-bye.